1: They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
2: Hi, Pod fans. It's JR here. It's Swindon Town.
0: Here we go again. Hello, Joe.
3: Hello, Rich. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good, tired. There's a lot of football happening in the next few weeks, and... uh yeah, it it doesn't bode well that I'm already saying I'm tired when we haven't really started the busy time, and also it's getting dark, isn't it? So it just feels
3: tiring all the time. Yeah, I'm the same. There, where, where a small semblance of football has got me tired already, and uh, it's it's not a good sign. But, but we'll 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 get through it. Um, I'm sure it'll work itself out, probably. Well, I hope
0: so. I hope so. Lots of questions coming in by lots maybe none but let's let's paint it in this way how's public transport been since last time we spoke it was a very sad tale you told us
3: yes it was it was very much my tale of woe and um karma is my boyfriend now um i think uh i I, I i'd stored some up after after friday and and the ordeal that was um but then after the no not public transport, but driving back and forth from Salford went well. And then today um, I made the executive decision to go get lunch at the large Tesco nearby Beversbrook before getting the bus back. And uh, right as I walked up to the bus stop, bus comes straight for it. And then I had to get, when I got back to Swindon, bus going out to the office um, for the Swindon Avatar, which is uh, out in Dorkin. Bus comes in right as I'm getting off that first bus. So we take those. Every
0: victory is a major one when it comes to uh, public transport. Oh, well done.
3: It was it was a great feeling. I, I can't I can't um, overstate how big it felt when I ropped up to that first bus stop and, and an old man said to me, Oh well <laughs> there's, there's allegedly there's a bus coming, but it's a bit running a bit behind. I was like, Is that it there as it comes down the down the street? So it was a good feeling. It was really nice.
0: Gave that pessimistic boomer some words as well at the end. So win, win,
3: win, win, win. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's nice to be able to to you know be be the non negative person in a situation which which as we all know is not always something that I experience. What a day! What a day! So listening to the presser
0: with yourself and Andrew Hawes at BBC Radio Wiltshire. It sounded like Swindon had a great
3: time getting up to Salford. How was your endeavours? Yeah, I mean, my was significantly better than theirs. I think Michael Flynn said it took them seven hours because of various floods and um, crashes and whatnot, which is actually the second time that's happened. Maybe they should stop travelling up on Fridays because it was um, came a couple of weeks ago, they said that it had taken... Might even have been the Knots County game where going up the day before it took them about double the amount of time that it should do. I think you know, coming back from Seoul, we we're absolutely flying. I think we did it in just over three hours It was so so I had a much better time of it than they did, but uh, it's clearly the the long journey is clearly not helping their uh, ability to stay concentrated for ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah, my my heart
0: sank at one stage because I thought you were going to suggest flying but that'll never do
3: <laughs> <laughs> I signed that charter too, don't you worry
0: <laughs> So final word on Salford Sea I, I haven't, this game has not lingered this result hasn't lingered for me I think upon further reflection and I don't think we went in too hard on the pod with Max, I think that we got away with the first 10 minutes to such a degree that I'm I'm content with a
3: draw. Yeah. the the I, I can see what, where you're coming from there. The Murphy Mahoney quote unquote injury after the opening 10, 15 minutes, everything switched on there. So I think there's, I've seen quite a few people say Michael Flynn's substitutions weren't very good in the game. I think he does earn a lot of credit there because clearly he turned it on its head at that point when he was given, or when he created a sort of two minute period to speak to his players again. Um, I I don't know that I was quite as bullish as some of the as Charlie Houston and Michael Flynn were when they said that they'd sort of <laughs> Salford were telling them they'd never seen a team as good as them <laughs> or something like that uh, uh, after the game. But you know I, I did feel that Swindon played very well. There was there was only really one winner after eighty five minutes if anyone was going to win the game, um, and that team ended up not winning it. Um, but I, I think we are possibly reaching the breaking point between oh and they're getting a bit unlucky there to. Hey, wait a minute! <laughs> Why does the same thing keep happening? Yeah, and um, it's it's where on that 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 line where we are, and I think we're we're stressing towards the second part of it at this point. Seems that way, doesn't it? Oh well,
0: we move on to Jinningham, and I, I suppose it's discussed a fair bit, and you read around, it's discussed a fair bit there too, and that is whether this is a rivalry or not. Wiltshire's Swindon Town versus Kent's Ginningham. Let us remind ourselves of the rivalry origin story, courtesy of the write-up on Banyard's archive website. The rivalry started in March 1979 when, with both teams in the running for promotion, Swindon visited Priestfield one position and three points behind Gillingham, but with two games in hand. Gillingham themselves were equal on points with third place Swansea and just three points behind leaders Watford. In a fiery match, Gillingham went 2-0 ahead in the first 25 minutes, but 10 minutes later, the town had pulled it back to 2-2. Goals from Roy Carter and Adam Mays, if you're interested. That was how the scoring stayed, but other events were to make the game far more memorable. After Ginningham had goalscorer Danny Westwood sent off for foul and abusive language, Priestfield went into uproar, incensed by what they considered to be poor refereeing and gamesmanship by town player Ray McHale. And in the second half, a Ginningham fan got onto the pitch and punched the referee, knocking him out. It got worse for Ginningham when they visited Swindon for the return game in May. Now a point ahead of the town and in a promotion spot, Ginningham had another player sent off for a tackle on guess who? Yes, Mikel. And after the town went 3-0 up, Andy Rowland and an Alan Mays brace, obviously, their players began to single out Mikel for some retribution, the game turning nasty again. The match eventually finished 3-1, and as the players returned to the dressing room, there was a fracas in the tunnel, Swindon coach Wilf Tranter having to go to hospital with facial injuries after being punched. Two jillingham players ended up in court over the incident, both were acquitted. And the season ended with both teams missing out on promotion, ginning them by just a single point, which they considered to be stolen from them during the two games with Swindon. And a rivalry was born. Well, what a website that is, by the way. So, haven't taken it all in again, Joe. This all feels very one-sided, doesn't it? I, I won't tell a Swindon fan whether they should consider this a derby or not. That's their choice. But where do you stand on Scumden versus Jidding Scum, the Scum
3: Derby, if you will? They're all scum, all stars. Um, I mean, I've I've never really understood it. it you know, as, as as you've just heard, there it kind of stems from 1979 uh, when I'm negative 21 years old. So um, you know, it, it's never something that's really come across to me as making a ton of sense. Um, I found it quite interesting because um, so, uh, I think it was the lower league look. Quote tweeted the story I put out about what Michael Flynn said about it today, um, saying how was this a rivalry? And there was an interesting semantic discussion, or I don't know the the discussion was being had, but so at least sort of five or six people say oh, it's not a derby, it's a rivalry, and what I would like to see is the dis the again, there's probably one for, for football cliches, but uh, the distinction between what what a derby is and what a rivalry is, because I would suggest that a a derby is a match between two rivals. But um i don't think everyone saw it in quite that same way which 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 is you know fine but i mean i believe pretty sure we talked about this at least twice last season yeah absolutely I don't see it as as one i don't even see it as a rivalry like some people were saying that it was um you know I, i've it it takes about 3 hours to get there it, you've you're really pushing the boundaries of rivalry at that point
0: point. and if you're scratching around trying to uh, explain the difference between a derby and a rivalry It's neither. (laughs) If you need to put a case forward, it's probably not. It's probably not. It is gloriously petty, though.
3: Just there were a couple of dodgy refereeing decisions once, and now we've we've hated you for forty odd years. Which is it's it's good, good good work from the Jinnigham fans. The. uh, the Maidstone United Baron run really hitting hard there. I suppose
0: it's certainly its origin. I think has been lost amongst some of the fans from both sides who get giddy over this one.
3: Yeah, I, you know, I think some people look towards the, um, the the playoff game as well as a justification, but um, it, it does seem to step back slightly further than than people recognise. And I think you know when when you can't really think about why something started and um, the, the, the the whole fact. Fabric of something doesn't really make much sense without that justification. Then
0: it will maybe drop it. Yeah, the playoff games. I never assumed that's where the rivalry came from, but I think that's what cemented it. The win at Crystal Palace and the games before the ones that really went. Well, here we go. This is this is going to be a long-standing ding dong.
3: Yeah, I mean it's nice as, as mentioned. Uh, it must be tough for Gillingham a bit like it's slightly tough for Reading um, to to not have a, a natural local rival um be too close by and for, for whatever reason Swindon seemed to be a magnet for those two sides.
0: Yeah. And as we move on a little bit, but sticking with the rivalry, I always find in these instances, like I it always feels with our secondary rivalries or derbies, that the other side seem to ramp it up a little bit more than Swindon have over the last few years. And this this is a decade long observation, probably more. Ginningham player Max Clark was interviewed by Kent online about the rivalry. And and he said, the rivalry has been mentioned and it gives us a bit more energy. We will want to fight for the club and fans. If it is a passionate one for the fans, it is a passionate one for us. We all want to win games, especially Swindon away. If it is one of the rivalries, then we will be looking to get one up on them. It's kind of riddled with inconsistencies. That one. It's a man that's sort of saying, "Yes, it's a rivalry, but I didn't know." And <laughs>
3: but yeah, he he's working it out. Yeah, the use of the word "if" in the middle of that is kind of the tip-off that I don't think he knew until the question was initially asked. And they went, "Oh, rivalry? Yeah, yeah, we're after it, mate." um and, You know, credit to him, he was, I guess, trying to. Um, Show the fans he cares like they do, but um, a certain other former Gillingham player, uh, not quite as infused with the with the potential of this derby,
0: and that is Michael Flynn. What a good segue! Very good, Joe. Yes, he played in this fixture twice, scoring for Gillingham in a three 0 loss for Town at Priestfield back in that wretched season of two thousand and five six. Town got revenge on Flynn in the return game, thanks to a solitary Jamie Curton goal. Oh, Joe, around that time, it felt like we were turning things around. But then we threw away a, a lead against Rotherham at home to lose 3-2. And then, well, we went to Nottingham Forest and, well, at least Trevor Benjamin scored. Uh, yeah, Nicky Salfor, a Gillingham legend, got a hat-trick that day. Gross. Absolutely gross. So what did Michael Flynn, he, he's not really concerned or aware that this was a rivalry. I don't believe him.
3: Uh, no, because obviously, as he, as he mentioned, he, he was a Gillingham player. so. From their side, it appears to be more of a thing. So we were asking, you know, did, was it something that you experienced? He said, didn't really notice it, to be honest with you. um, Although, to be fair with to, um, you know, whatever Gillingham fans think about it, Michael always wants to know, well, I don't really pay attention to that. We just sort of focus on ourselves. And he essentially gave what I imagine he would have said as a player to any sort of question was, no, I was just focusing on my opposite number, make sure I win that battle I'll contribute for the team. um. You know, he's is as we know, he's very straight, uh, straight back in all the situations. Then uh, he ri- rattled off a list of derbies, which it wasn't. So we know for sure that it's not Celtic, Rangers, Liverpool, Everton, Manchester United, Liverpool, Manchester United, Manchester City. So we know it's not any of those. Uh, we know that part for sure. Um, and he said he, you know, as a player, it wasn't really ever something that he got, and and but you know, and then straight back to the Michael Flynn playbook. Three points—that's what we want. <laughs> um, he looked particularly happy when he scored against Swindon, but maybe
0: he was always happy. Uh, but but then again, I saw him celebrate, and the first thing I thought was, I, I bet he gives stick to the f- players of today for their celebrations. I guess it was um, a very old school. Yes, I've just scored, arm raised, but still, uh, I would have liked to have seen a little shimmy myself.
3: Yeah, it would have been fun to see him to do uh, try the Tyree shade backflip thing. Uh, just, just, just for a bit of symmetry to say, it was also interesting to learn that he was the number 10, Virginia, yes. Which, yes. which, you know, knowing him now, he doesn't, it doesn't feel like a number 10 at all. Yeah. And it looked like he had a little bit of a,
0: a stylish mullet back in 2006, which was all the rage back then. Um, so, you know, wowzers! Uh, yeah, um, it, it did look like one of those um, modern mullets of the mid 2000s. I
3: didn't have one, Joe. I know you're going to ask. That's, that's disappointing you can always go back rich they are they are back in fashion now if you wanted to have your second swing in a mullet very much an australian
0: sports thing at the moment isn't it the stranger things mullet they, they that's that's brought them all back i i associate it with australian sports fandom
3: yeah it's, it's very australian but I, I noticed its reappearance uh two summers ago at ascot when half of the people there seemed to have mullet so i think it's it's very much on these shores as well. How the other side live. Okay, we'll we'll move away from rivalries
0: and Ginningham for a little bit and um, talk about the miscellaneous questions that Michael Flynn was asked and then we'll return to Ginningham a little bit later on. So we'll start with Michael Flynn on messages and, of course, that we surrendered another lead to a 10-man side by full time, which is deeply frustrating um, when I was doing the research in the last pod, I, I was, you know, looking at it in the terms of patterns. And I think the main pattern is, is every draw that we've we've had this year has been winnable or we have surrendered um, the advantage, so to speak, uh, or not made the most of the advantage. And I think that's the, the major pattern. It's not the 10 men or even the last minute. It's not been that many injury time goals conceded uh, for the five. Anyway, you look at it from any angle. When you think about how many points we could have had on the board if we just didn't have those lapses of concentration, then we'd be in such a better place. Not that we're in a terrible one as it stands.
3: Yeah, I mean, you'd argue that the problem being that you're in, you get yourself into good positions and then can't follow them through is probably the better problem to have than not being in that position in the first place. I would, I would suggest. But yeah, Michael Flynn on this, um, obviously being asked by Andrew Hors what he's trying to tell his players, and he, um, you know, back to the sort of, where well, I'll keep believing thing. And then a uh, rare, excellent quote from Michael Flynn, actually. I would rather play against 12 than play against 10 um, at the moment, which which was lovely and, and pithy. It went straight on a graphic um, to, uh, later today. but um, And then some pretty interesting, I would suggest, um, diagnose, uh, diagnosis of the, the late stage performance, where um, he, he felt that after Michael Matt Smith had been taken off. Uh, the players kind of should should realise that they're not going to go long anymore. Um, and and they they can push out more than they did, and they they sat off too much, and and allowed Salford to kind of put the balls in the box and do what they wanted. And um, and the inability to kind of see see that and have the game intelligence, as much Charlie Austin put it, to try and play that way was was what really cost them. And I think uh, there is there is the similarity to Morecambe in in that position where Swindon. Get in the lead, have the man advantage, um, have chances to score at that point as well, which they they did against Salford, and then um, and then sit off a little bit too much, and that and that allows the opposition to to complete their hail mary. Well, I
0: think the fan base will absolutely implode if if something similar happens in the near future, be it Ginningham or in the next game at MK Dons or beyond. So hopefully
3: we'll see progress on that front. Yeah, if we, if we could avoid another another one of those. Uh, collapses and that would be useful Uh, even you know even just a draw when we come from behind would probably be uh, just as useful I would suggest (laughs) just to just to kind of keep that out of the mind because obviously uh, with all the late collapses last season and when you know Swindon weren't necessarily playing well but were still doing that and then this season when they've they're in the similar positions and still doing the same thing I think we've probably had more than enough of those um, of those results for, for one year. Hi Rich, just
2: a reminder to let you know I'm on Points West again tonight, so make sure you tune in.
3: Oh
0: no, here I am holidaying in Europe and I'm going to miss Dan's latest appearance talking about another deep side town performance on the television, unless... <laughs> of course, I can use my Nord VPN subscription. NordVPN allows you to watch sporting events, TV shows, and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location with one click to a country which is showing the content. So I'll never miss another Points West with Dan ever again. Huzzah! NordVPN acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive information like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee per month, and one NordVPN account can be used across six devices. So to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpm.com forward slash lovestrangers. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the podcast along the way. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Lovely stuff.
2: Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. Enthusiastic contributor and former Swindon McDonald's employee. Farewell, Outlet Village. One time I got to serve the then Swindon manager Roy Evans. Yes, I know what you're wondering Big Mac with medium fries. And admittedly, why Roy may have regretted some choices at SM1. Well, you can't go wrong with the classics. And you can't go wrong with Muck Delivery, where instead of you getting in a time machine and coming to me, your favourites can come to you. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
0: Oh, the flick here is seized on by Johnny Williams, the Swindon Town. On the scene now riding is McCurdy. McCurdy goes on! And they have a goal back! Okay, well let's return to the bread and butter, and we start on the injury front, and of course, suspensions this time.
3: Yes, the suspension, which um it wasn't it wasn't 100 percent clear whether or not the suspension to Tom Brewitt was um was gonna impact whether he would play anyway. Um he didn't he said no, Brewitt picked up the concussion and or uh, well, was in the concussion protocol, but that doesn't necessarily matter because he was suspended. Um, there's he, he did because he walked off right in front of me when he was coming back to the bench, and he really didn't look uh, in a good way when he did that. But supposedly he's kind of bounced back quite well, and although he is going into um, the required concussion protocol, it, it looks likely that he would pass it quite quickly because of because of how he's responded since. So that's very good news, although. Of course, uh, will not be involved tomorrow night because of that suspension. Um, the other one is Ben Ward, Ben, um, who still lacks a timeline, but is um, on the comeback trail, as it was described. Um, he is getting better, but uh, we, we we don't we don't know what what really he's getting better from and where he's getting better to. But uh, other than that, we know a lot. And then we're still on the the same situation with Reese Devine, and um, we're still. Um, Kind of walked it back because I actually had. Um, um, he, he said he wasn't 100% sure on Tariq Uwakwe, um before, as much as he gave the kind of negative um, timeline for him. And he, he still didn't 100% say um, that they're confirmed of what they're doing. So I think maybe he's still seeing that specialist or they're waiting to hear back, most likely. And um, so he's still out for the for the foreseeable, as well as Reese Devine, who, as we know, uh, is having no pressure put on him for a return. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: Let's stick with Tom Brewitt because, of course, he's just suspended again, whether he was going to play this game or not because of the uh, possible uh, concussion is, well, it's neither here or there. Now, unless if you're injured, you you can't serve a suspension. I don't (laughs) know. That would be a very uh, unfair rule. I I, I suppose this game is, from the, the negative side of it, Chinningham will clearly be up for it and they'll be zipping around trying to you know, stick one on their big rivals. But at the same time, I think their main forward players, mccauley Bond, and from memory, he's not a tall guy. And where Brewer has really thrived this season, and especially in the last few games, is the aerial battles that he's had. I know he got knocked out um, essentially in the last game, but that's not something he he shirks from. So that gives either. And we assume it's going to be Harrison Minton or, or Tom Clayton, a possible break from the aerial battle, you should think. But it's also, I think, a positive that he's gone now, as long as he's fit on Saturday, because if Blake Tracy or Hutton get their yellows, then we, we don't have Brewett waiting for his suspension potentially as well. So at least one is down, he comes back, and then the others sit in this limbo
3: yeah we we did kind of discuss um on the last pod about spacing those injuries those suspensions out a little bit and we have at least done that partially can no, now can only be three suspensions in one game rather than the four that was a possibility um coming into Salford and as you say um I would be very surprised if it's Don Clayton not least because Harrison Minton played exceptionally well at the weekend uh, when he came off the bench and in fact quite surprisingly because of wasn't hundred percent sure that he would be trusted to play in the middle of a back free, given that he is quite a front foot defender, but um he he did so and did so very well against an incredibly tall striker in Matt Smith. Um and then, you know, also Tom Clayton, he's definitely not ready for 90 minutes yet. You know, he's only just got back on the bench um after a, a pretty long layoff. So, you know, you'd be very surprised. I I think if, you know if they were both fully fit, Tom Clayton probably comes on at the weekend. But um Tom Clayton probably wasn't ready to play the kind of half an hour, 35 minutes, they would have had to. So it'd be, I would be very surprised if it was anyone but Harrison Minter. But uh, as always, Michael Flynn did not confirm one way or another, just to keep chilling and guessing a little bit. And Tom Brewett has a significant
0: fan base within within the town fan base. And therefore, do you think that puts a little bit of pressure on Harrison Minter? Not that he would necessarily see it. I want... Both Tom Brewitt and Harrison Minton to have spectacular seasons with Swindon, but it's a great opportunity for Harrison Minton to remind Flynn that he's ready and willing. But also, if it doesn't go so well, then that that might have quite an impact with the fans' trust towards a young player in Minton when we've when we've lost Brewitt, who
3: has been so adored by the town faithful. I think that would probably be more of a case if it was someone that wasn't Harrison Minton. I think because he's a he's a young academy player, um, he's he's very well liked, um, you know, with the, the Mingo um, moniker, and as well as having played very well and basically all of his opportunities for Swindon so far. So, you know, I, I think uh, replacing Brewer would probably be maybe a, a bit of a shadow if it was Tom Clayton, who uh, isn't um, quite, quite one of our own. Um but but with minton i would I would be surprised if there was that kind of same um expectation put on him that he would um replace Brewert in quite the same way, and I don't think anyone would would necessarily turn if he didn't but um uh, I, I think it is just a, it's a very good opportunity as you say for him to to prove to Michael Flynn because he said himself his his targets now to play um to be starting really by next season, so you know, he's he's got the opportunity now with tom Brewitt out to to Play at market down and and get in get towards that even quicker. Ashley Naidson, the, the
0: player that they signed in the summer, is it Naidson? He he was their taller forward, but I think he's out injured. Who's who's the only one? I think that's a over six foot. So yeah, I'm just dwelling on that. What about what about the <laughs> the the transfer situation? Uh, nobody sounds more bashful than Andrew Hawes when asking this question. Although Flynn was like, "Yeah, you can ask."
3: Yeah, well, Andrew Horse, um, uh, actually, an avid listener of this show, and um, I think took our discussion, um, about the the free agent question, the potential binning of it, um, almost to Michael Flynn in this situation. Um, you know, um, he, it was it was still asked. It was answered. In in fact, technically speaking, I think because of the way Andrew asked it, he probably got an even more positive, uh, spin on the answer that Michael Flynn would normally give because he was kind of saying, "Is this over now?" And he, which kind of forced. Michael Flynn in his ever neutral ways to, to go down the middle of it, Well, probably, but also um, what if they're with injuries? So maybe would we would be forced into doing something when I think before he would he kind of always gone with the line of Uh, well we' no we're not doing anything now and we're probably at the point where where we aren't until January. Um and and he he said the forcing before, but yeah, it, it, it actually really changed the outcome of the answer, which was which was interesting. Let's return back to the back
0: three. Apologies, my running order and uh, asking ad hoc questions has got the best of me. Because Andrew asked about the roles and responsibilities. We've had a very solid back three. And it, it's kind of an evolution of a question Andrew asked last week about, about players knowing their roles and responsibilities. And Finn, very relaxed and confident in his squad on that front.
3: Yeah, because obviously with the back three having, I think, started every game so far this season that same that same trio. So, um, obviously with someone else coming in, there's there's the there's a suggestion that maybe they wouldn't have the same level of understanding. But, Michael, Michael Flynn, make sure that everyone knows that the subs aren't just get off getting tees during training sessions. They are very much involved and um, they know exactly how the system works and how they have to play within it and how everyone else is going to work as well. So. Um, he doesn't see whoever um, in the sort of smoke and mirrors, uh, Harrison Minton, um, whoever is going to replace Tom Brewett, Um uh has the same expectation on them that that they have to step across the white line perform and they don't really have that kind of. Well, I, I didn't didn't know what I was doing, boss. Excuse, because <laughs> because they do. Jake Young had a
0: a specific question, and it's something that we've observed. Uh, I think that's six games without a goal for Jake Young. Again, Michael Flynn, very good on this for Jake Young. No pressure. Lulls happen. We move
3: on. Yeah, um, I think this is actually the second time Mo Salah has had men- mentioned this season in terms of this this kind of um, positive. Well, if you, if it happens to him kind of thing, um, uh, where he was saying, well, you know, every striker goes through it, even, even Mo Salah had one. And uh, that's particularly fun to me because I used to live with a Liverpool fan and I mocked him. Uh, around the uh, end of the Afcon, when Salah's kind of slump started, um, so I, I always thought about that um, and and made it much longer than it it re- was in reality. But um, yeah, he was he just said felt and it, it is kind of what you see on the pitch where Jake Young is is playing. He is still playing pretty well, but he's not necessarily having the same luck it luck in terms of chances coming to him mm-hmm. as often as they were earlier on. So um, he said he just kind of needs that boost in in confidence to help to help him um help help him get back to what he was doing but they they still think he's for obvious reasons more than capable of showing what he has already showed. in terms of housemates, supporting clubs only real one i
0: had was university bristol city mrs p obviously and then we had exeter city chelsea and aston villa which i think's a nice mix
3: yeah, that's good i have
0: stoke city liverpool arsenal and um leeds united yeah. Yeah. No, nice mix.
3: Yeah. Good stuff. Lovely. Unai Emery got a mention as well. He did. I really didn't see this one coming, actually, because i would not heard the quote. But it um, he, he was um, Andrew, Andrew after yesterday in the, the big win that Aston Villa had. Um, I, Emery had said that apparently that he spent 70% of his time talking about football, uh, thinking about football of his day. And that uh, was put to Michael Flynn. He was like, yeah, no, you kind of do need to do that as a football manager. You're always watching highlights and watching stuff back and thinking out potential things and, and stuff like that. So he, he definitely didn't see that as abnormal. But to be honest, I would say that I probably think about football about 70 percent of the time. Now, that is possibly massively unhealthy and, and I use possibly to mean definitely. But uh, I think it's just, a, it's just a thing that people do. No? 70% of the
0: time, it works every time. I was going to ask you, how often do you think about football? Uh, I don't want to put a percentage to it because I don't want to be judged. But I do do an amateur
3: football podcast. So I think that pretty much tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, I mean, it's my job pretty much. So, um, and, and then also all of my free time. So it, I think it would be at least 70, to be perfectly honest.
0: Let's talk about Ginningham on Tuesday night, then the big one, according to some fans of EVA club. So they started really quite well in terms of wins. They won their first four games of the season, all 1-0s. And I remember listening to Oxford fan George Ellick on Not the Top 20 pod. And despite all these wins, he was saying, I'm having none of it. And he was sort of right, I suppose, because it came to an end. And then since then, they've been hit and miss. And then they got rid of Neil Harris, uh, which was, I think, a little bit of a surprise to me. But maybe not so much Ginningham fans. Although when he got fired, I did go on their social media and there was a lot of shock within the fan base that he was booted out. In their last five games, they have drawn 1-1 at home to Mansfield which is probably a good result lost 2-0 at Crewe beat MK Dons at home 2-1 and then it's the the most recent ones under Keith Millen the caretaker manager former Bristol City manager you will remember they lost 4-1 at Walsall and then they lost 2-1 at home to Notts County they of course include former Swindon Town players Connor Masterson and Johnny Williams, who hasn't found his goal-scoring form, but I don't want to kiss that to death. He was replaced after 64 minutes in the last game, so we'll see what's happening there. Last season, it was a ding-dong, wasn't it? It was 3-3. Gillingham, well, Johnny Williams scored very, very early on, and then within 10 minutes of craziness, Gillingham went 3-1 up through Dieng, Will Wright and Tom Nichols. And then it was all Swindon, and it looked like we were going to do some absolute glorious stuff. And this is, of course, when Charlie Austin is back at Swindon, and he scores a penalty with about an a hour, half hour to go. And then we get the equaliser with 12 minutes to go, Charlie again. And then I remember thinking, we're going to get the win here. And then Saidu Khan gets sent off with, a, with about 10 minutes to go, and then it just turns into a... Let's, let's not lose this now. And that was a great disappointment because that that was on the win. The, the other game at Priestfield, not as lively. Ginningham nil, Swindon Town nil. Probably most remembered because it was another frustrating one against 10 men because Haji Minoga, who will be seen again in a few weeks playing for older shot, was sent off after 10 minutes and we couldn't break them down. I remember Ginningham starting that game really quite well. It's a tricky fixture, Joe. Over the last 10 years, it's not looking good. We have had one victory, drawn six and lost five, scoring 13 and conceding 22. So there's all the stats. What did Michael Flynn have
3: to say about this game? Yeah, he was, as always, he kind of sticks to the the positives we had. I think I think you said last week that he kind of gives one player he thinks is good. We've got three players he thinks are good this time and Macaulay Vaughn, bon, Nichols and Hamer. Um obviously sticking to that clean sheets they've had. Um, as mentioned, five one nil wins so far this season, so they're they're pretty good at that, including all of the first four. As you mentioned, uh George Ennick wasn't buying it. But he also wasn't buying Leicester at the start of the season, so I think pinch of salt possibly. Um but yeah, he was he was he was complimentary about it. He said obviously they have strong ambitions for promotion. He kinda of went because he mentioned Gillingham a lot over the summer in terms of being one of the teams that was spending quite a lot of money. Um so he was talking about them having those ambitions of promotion and you know still only being one point behind us and after even after having a, a bad run of late. So you know, he's he's as always not um not overlooking an opposition, but also not really um uh, concentrating on them as as we also always hear. A hat trick of Ginningham players to look out for. He's soft on Ginningham. Yeah, it's all those wistful memories. He was we didn't go quite as far as he went with um with Bradford in terms of talking about all the good people behind the scenes, but he was he's he's he still still loves the Medway.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Interim managers
0: was discussed as mentioned Keith Millen is looking after them there was a heck of a quote I swear did did I read that and would like don't worry you'll get your new manager at some point and we'll, we'll have Keith Millen for the game at the county ground but it doesn't sound like he's going to be manager in the long term but
3: what did Michael Flynn have to say about interim managers yeah well, obviously with, with Ben Garner off as well we've seen Matthew, Matthew to get the interim gig there um so they're going to have enough practice of playing against interim managers so it shouldn't really be impacting things too much i think obviously we played bradford when they had one um gillingham and, and we've had a couple others obviously mk dons have actually appointed a manager permanently but as another kind of new manager they'll swindon are up against this this week um so you know he was he was he was um in good joshing fashion there in terms of press conference, that's really A-grade humor. <laughs> um, so that, that gets a good titter normally. Um but um as always he's kind of with the well really fuck on the opposition. We kind of do what we can do and then see what happens. Um so he's uh he's you know he's uh he's uh not not looking too much into the whole interim manager thing. He, he doesn't think it it changes too much.
0: No, I don't think he does. I think Matty Everington actually won a game for Crawley against Swindon in that
3: in that ill fated tenure, didn't he? He did. I think we were his we were his first game wow. actually, and then uh, he then had that the slightly less good fortune afterwards, and was out of the door almost straight
0: away. Dom Jeffries got a random mention, uh, random I suppose because I don't, I don't know if he's their superstar, but of course he was with Michael Flynn at Newport, and he got the smashing lad status, which we all
3: yearn for. He did. I'd love to be called a smashing lad you one ain't day, getting though that. I do. You ain't getting I think I'm yet. Quite, a, quite a long way away from that potential, <laughs> um, that dubbing. But yeah, I think he did get the smashing lad. He, um, as you pointed out, he said that he kind of felt it was best for his career to go to Brentford when he went to Salisbury in between Newport and Brentford, but um, to kind of ha- have that moving away from home experience, um, he felt was important. Clearly, it's he's been, he's been thriving with the move to Gillingham.
0: Yeah he, he was quite emphatic in the yeah I felt like going to Brentford B would be the best for his career and I thought okay I'll, I'll look up Dom Jeffries because I don't really know much about him and then I saw that he, he spent half a season or season with Salisbury and I thought oh is that because some sort of some sort of like contractual thing that he can't go to Brentford B but he he spent much of like a half a season on trial at Brentford B so not sure what happened there I don't, I don't Quite think Michael Flynn can take full credit unless there was some sort of contractual issue that denied
3: him that move before. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Obviously, we don't know for sure. Much like you, the Dom Jeffries question question caught me completely on the hot to the point where I thought Michael Flynn said Bradford B, um, which I didn't know was a thing as well, which which really confused me. But um, but yeah, but I mean, maybe there was something going on. Uh, you know, Brentford B, but also Brentford B. Surely they don't have registration window, so I don't know necessarily
0: Well that's one thing I never thought I would be discussing a transfer from Newport to Salisbury to Brentford B on the presser, but here we are, shall we go to the
3: Joe zone? I think we should
2: Um, Something that felt
3: a bit more pronounced on Saturday, he's done it before, but Mahoney kind of stepping up in possession, playing almost like another defender, how important is having a goalkeeper who's not only a brilliant shot stopper, but quite so good on the ball as well
1: well, I think, as Pep Guardiola said, a goalkeeper is the most important part um, when you're looking to play out, because if you want to play it from the back, you've got to have a goalkeeper who's comfortable with a ball at his feet. Otherwise, it just stops everything that you're trying to do. So, i um, um, nobody to argue with uh, Pep's assessment. I'm sure others will think that Bruyne, or Haaland, or Rodri, or um, Foden, could be more important but I know exactly what he means for, for the way he wants to play. You've got Edison there and he starts, starts everything. He starts everything for him and, and Murph has been fantastic for us. Um, yes, I'm not going to deny uh, deny it. I've had a few hands in my uh, mouth moments but I'm asking him to do it and I've got to trust him to do it and so far he's done it explicitly.
2: And as well
3: as bringing up 50 goals on, for the club on the weekend, Charlie Austin Something I thought was particularly interesting was Hepburn Murphy crediting his Newport goal, not only to yourself, but also Austin's advice. What do you, kind of things do you see from him off the pitch with, with the other players in that kind of role?
1: Charlie, look, we've got quite a young team. And, you know, Charlie, he's there. He's been it, seen it, done it. Um, he's played at t- the highest level. He's had a fantastic career. Um, and I wouldn't say he's... It's the quantity of what he says. Is it's the quality of what he says? You know, like I said, these young lads there were. They need to understand what it takes to play at that level. You know, Charlie Austin didn't just turn up um, for training day in day out, through training, and then score goals on on the weekend. There's a lot of hard work that goes goes on behind the scenes. You know, I do a lot of reading. You look at stuff like people like um, Usain Bolt they train four years to run nine seconds <laughs> you know and there's people who, who kind of get disappointed after two months and, and give up there's no chance you've got to work day in day out week in week out year in year out to, to have a successful real successful career in football and um, obviously Charles has done that and um, hopefully a few of the youngsters can take that on board and understand what it takes to reach the top and then I believe you credited the set
3: piece stuff to Wayne Hatswell before.
1: I believe that was, was it the first goal you scored directly from a corner
3: at the weekend. Um, but we've seen a lot of creativity and all that stuff still, probably a bit unlucky not to have scored more from those situations. How important do you think that work is in terms of sustaining it's this run?
1: very important. You know, Wayne, the staff, um, obviously myself, we all have an input on it. Um, we've had times where a player, not the same player a player has forgotten his role and once it happens it kind of messes the whole lot up we've had some where there's been very good saves or blocks from from it but yeah we we work hard on that and um, i've got to give them credit saturday because they improvised and they used they used their initiative saturday which was pleasing because it wasn't quite on the one, the one we worked, but we knew we worked on the backup one. If that happened, well, what could we do? And they they done it. So um, it's pleasing. It was pleasing, but I do think we should have more from from these situations. Oh,
0: lovely bits of appreciation here for Murphy Mahoney and Charlie Austin. And yeah, I'm rubbish at this set-piece statistic. So that was our first set-piece goal of the season, yeah? Despite all of those goals.
3: Yeah, I I believe it was our first direct goal from set pieces. We're you know, we're actually miles clear in terms of o- open play goals in the EFL at the moment. I think we're about six goals beyond anywhere else, or we're heading into the weekend. So no, we've not necessarily actually had the success that we might have expected when we kept scoring from corners during pre season. But um but it, I mean you can you can always see them doing some quite fun things and I can remember Tariq Yuakwe having a shot blocked, Fraser Bake-Tracy having a header cleared off the line. So they have done well outside of the goals as well. But... Um but it it was it was interesting especially as um, the goal they actually scored was one that they hadn't worked on
0: yeah yeah that that, that is quite a funny twist because they they clearly get creative in various aspects of of set pieces as we saw against Notts County when and, and i think that's what Flynn was referring to when he says sometimes players forget their roles <laughs> and I, I think that that, that might be a, a case in point. But it's nice to have those sort of uh, those playbook sort of options that can zump the
3: opposition. Yeah, especially when you've got a bunch of small boys like us. I think you definitely need that kind of creativity and different plans for for these situations. You know, um, we all, obviously everyone talks about the set piece coaches they have higher up, but it is very important that someone's thinking about these things. Absolutely loved uh, Michael Flynn's quote on,
0: you know, forgive me, it's not word for word. It, when it comes to Charlie Austin's influence in what he says, it's quality not quantity, <laughs> because he
3: does say a lot. Yeah, it was it was it was quite interesting because Austin. Because I'd asked him this after the game, he said that you no, know, he didn't necessarily see himself as a mentor, but it's just bits of advice, and um, the the line of quality not quantity is. Um, maybe he doesn't do it that much. Um, I don't want to speculate too much, but that that kind of implies that you know he he tells him tells him some stuff, but it's it's hardly a constant process. Maybe.
0: And it's really good that the club have been making a big deal of Charlie Austin reaching fifty goals for Swindon over the last twenty four hours or so, because frankly, it doesn't happen much for for Swindon players or Swindon fans to enjoy a player who's around long enough to score fifty goals. So it's well
3: worth celebrating yeah definitely is he the first person to go in since billy painter i believe to hit 50 so you know we just don't really have anyone long enough he's never going to get anywhere close to the top couple clearly because i don't think anyone probably ever will just because no one stays that long but 50 is simon cox didn't even get 50 he's he's two goals short so It shows what a hell of an achievement it is for Charlie Austin. So
0: close, wasn't it? And at first, when I saw it was Billy Painter, I thought, oh, it wasn't that long ago. And then you realise he left 13 years ago and you're like, ah, the sands
3: of time. Yeah, to be honest, I was slightly surprised that that Painter had hit, hit as many as 50. I know he was there for a while, but I didn't think he'd been quite so prolific other than that final season. So I was actually slightly surprised to see him on the list. Murphy Mahoney appreciation was fun because we got a Pep
0: reference. And we got um, we got a suggestion that that Flynn
3: ooh, he gets a bit worried with Mahoney on the ball. Yeah, he did definitely talk about uh, sort of hand in mouth moments, and we've seen them. Um, there's, I've got a photo of the main one. I think it's against Sutton, where he kind of has to shank it into touch just the last second. But it's it's quite fun because he clearly loves Guardiola, and we've had a couple managers obviously recently of Garner and. Uh, luke williams who wanted to be guardiola and you can see that in the way that they look and flynn hasn't necessarily gone the sort of bald head and cardigans route like they did but uh there's there's clearly a huge appreciation from him because he's um i think probably a few few weeks running now he's he's made a question that wasn't necessarily about guardiola about guardiola (laughs) (laughs) well why not why not it
0: means that we've mentioned uh salah We've mentioned Unai Emery and now we've gone full on with Pep again. So we we just enjoy these references.
3: Yeah, this is going to be excellent press, Er,
0: <laughs> Predictions then. So I could hear your scream of bemoaning when the second goal went in for Salford. Because one, we conceded a goal very late on. And two, it meant that I got it absolutely spot on when you wanted to make that prediction. sorry but not sorry. So what are you going for for this game?
3: Yeah, such is the jeopardy of going second, I suppose. Um, you know, I had it for so long in the game as well, as it was with 1-1 for 70-odd minutes. But um, oof, I think today we've been thinking high-scoring a lot, obviously, because it's Swindon, but Gillingham, it does seem less likely that it'll go that way. I'm going to say 1-0 Swindon. Ooh, OK. Uh,
0: that, that's a That's a great result if we get it. I'm going to say... Ooh, I'm not vibing this game. Um, on a combination of history and thinking we're, we're due a home wobble. So I'm going to say 1-1.
3: Yeah, I, I can kind of see that. I'm looking, looking for the stats that I think one more win means that only the 11-12 side have one more home games in a row for quite some time in this team, so... Um, it, it, does, it does feel like a wobble is probably coming, but fingers crossed uh, Johnny Williams doesn't cut, suddenly recapture his form tomorrow night. Oh, here's hoping. Well, that was lovely. Joe, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rich. The
1: box Good run by him and now
0: The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. The views given do not reflect those of Swindertown Football Club or their official partners. The music for the presser is provided by the awesome Drag Me Down and the podcast logo is created by the most spended Matt in Singapore.
2: Thanks for listening. Come on you Reds! Come on Swindert!